Welcome to The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and this week I'm feeling really uh, jaded about the world, so my topic is going to be real cynical. And this week I am not joined by uh, my co-host and friend, Jesse, because he's got some uh, family stuff going on, uh, good things, not anything bad. But I am joined by one of our guest hosts that has been on the podcast before, and the man that's actually not taking the cynical approach with this topic, which is crazy to me, uh, Patrick. How you doing, Patrick? I'm doing just fine, Michael. I've been packing up my whole book collection to move across the uh, state, and uh, that's the opposite of a good time. Um, no one should move. Everyone should get rid of 90% of what they own. <laughs> I mean, that that is, I would say that's a hot take, but um, I'm dreading also moving. So, yeah. And with the, uh, the one of the reasons I feel so cynical today is the rising rent in uh, rent prices in uh, the United States just makes me go, well, uh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know what we could do is we could get a, plot of land and build yurts on it and have a permanent summer camp summer camp for everywhere <laughs> that that would be a, an interesting approach uh patrick we'll see how that we, we could see how that move plays out for us yeah it, it'll be good podcasting will be more difficult but other things will be easier this is true um, anyway so i understand that we're going to be discussing remakes the most hated trope in hollywood right now Yes, I think so. I think um, when we, I think we were just kind of shooting the topic about this a while back. I can't remember. Um, and it, I don't even remember how we came up with this. It was a conversation you and I were having. And well, we were doing our complaint fest about oh, why right. are they rebooting these great movies? Um, and uh, we came to, we, at least I came up with the, uh, Thing is like what they should do is they should reboot bad movies <laughs> that have good ideas behind them. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, which I think is what you've brought to the table tonight. Um, I might not have remembered that part of our conversation or misunderstood the assignment because uh, I've taken the approach of I'm tired of not making money and I'm going to just suggest a bunch of movies that I think Hollywood should remake because. I want to get some sort of slice of that pie. So this is my pitch. Am I speaking to Michael's Mass Effect Shepherd <laughs> at this point? Uh, potentially. Potentially. All right. I've got Renegade Michael here. Good to know. Yeah. Um, I'll have to represent the wholesomeness that Jesse normally embodies. This is very true. Yeah. We're definitely, this is definitely Renegade Paragon runs going on here. So... Okay. Okay. So, so what is your first blasphemy that you're going to lay upon us? So the first blasphemy I'm going to lay upon you here is a movie that I have watched a few times. Uh, I really enjoy it. I think it's it is a very good movie. Uh, that's why it should be remade, because it's a very good movie. And therefore, everyone's going to flock to the theaters, Patrick, to see this good movie. Uh, yeah, you'll have your none. usual hell of an opening night while those of us who love films weep. Yes, okay, exactly. I'm ready. <laughs> so. I want to uh, do a remake of the one famed movie, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, dude. Uh, based okay. off the book. 
uh, the seven the seven pillars of wisdom. Change about the sort of thing that uh, um, film classes make you watch to talk about what a good movie is. So I don't think. So here's the thing. I think a longer motorcycle ride in the beginning. <laughs> Potentially, I think maybe. Um, I would reevaluate some of the casting um, that make it uh, updated. Well, so I don't think you can get most of the original cast. <laughs> uh, that's very true. I don't think, I, th- I think unfortunately most of them uh, probably cannot reprise their uh, roles in the, that they did in the original. Well, but, then again, we all saw Grand Moff Tarkin, so I don't want to say that too loudly. That's true. I, uh, another reason to be very cynical and maybe why we could completely redo this. There's an entire industry based around uh, the likenesses and selling those likenesses of dead actors. So. Oh, it is dead. Okay, go on. <laughs> so I think one of the big changes I would kind of start focusing on is looking at some of the making it more culturally uh, sensitive uh, and relevant Okay, I can kind of see that because there's right. there's certainly a period piece, and there's certainly some things that could get adjusted up. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things of that they like took um, you know Mexican American actors and portrayed them as Middle Eastern. Um, they took uh, white actors. They took uh, Italian actors. They hey, took- Antonio Banderas has made a career of this sort of thing, <laughs> but. I feel like You're really good in the 13th warrior. This is true, but I feel like what we could do is make it something that is more about actually in, in a wholesome way and to win and score. And mind you, this is all cynical. I'm not doing this because they should actually do this in a sense of like writing wrongs of past uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, you're just doing the whole thing from multiverse of madness where you have uh, cheap um, emotional cash-ins that you can then get rid of for different markets. I mean, pretty much. It's I, You couldn't obviously change too many of the actors in between markets, but the thing is, is that we could at least go through that and truly showcase what the book and the movie does do a pretty good job of showcasing, but do it in a cash-in, like, social justice type way. That's We'd actually get a good movie out of this, I bet. But so not actual social justice, just the cynical part. Well, I mean, we would get some form of social justice, but it would be the very cynical. Uh, they're doing it just to get social justice, uh, you know, credit dollars. Yeah, exactly. And not to say that I don't. Again, I think they should go back. I, I think it would be great to see uh, actual people from this region that have that. Um, heritage okay so, so, so we're doing this it. to make money but if we happen to help some people around the way that's no skin off our neck exactly okay exactly. you know what fair enough fair enough because much like your renegade michael there's there is a heart deep down there so i'm not entirely sure who the casting would be in this um i i'm trying to think who would play um the titular character uh, lawrence uh of arabia um and I think that the script could be kind of focused more on the the truths of the situation uh, where they did actually talk about or where they, you know, they did screw those people over. They prevented them from they they impacted them and lied to this uh, this gentleman who was trying to get them to help and then lied to him, lied to them. And everything was just shitty and crappy. 
So I think it could have a bit better of a light shined on that and kind of be one of those going back and really showcasing the true history of the moment. Um, and it would just also be, you know, we're also going to make money off of a story we've already done before, but slightly better. Okay. I can, I, I, I can see this, th- this going for, for you. You can, you can make a somewhat cynical updated version and it won't probably be as good as the original, but you know, you can make some people feel a little bit better represented and we'll make a load of money just from people showing up for the first day exactly why they potentially could redo lawrence of arabia is uh we recently got dune and you you've seen dune right patrick i have and it's brilliant it is is. one of the best if we were talking the adaptation episode again we'd be talking (laughs) about dune a lot that's fair so I think they should redo uh, Lawrence of Arabia because there has to be hundreds and hundreds of hours of unused uh, sand porn that they filmed for <laughs> Dune that they could easily just write into this movie. No one would question it whatsoever. Real simple move in. Save on a bunch of save on a bunch of like B-roll uh, stock uh, footage of sand. Just because that's, you know, you could even work it into the even longer motorcycle ride. We promised. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay. They'll probably do this. Uh, (laughs) Right. I, so they're going to go for it, Patrick. I know it. They're going to do it. There's no, there's nothing is sacred. (laughs) Um, Okay. And that's the one you're starting with. Where are we going from here? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, To try to bring my um, Paragon side of it um up here is um one i would want to start with uh something near and dear to mine and your show's heart uh comic book movies and uh do one uh, again which uh, um i think did not get a fair shake um it's one of the more interesting characters in uh all of uh comics in my opinion and uh happens to be one of the worst movies i think i've ever seen Almost so bad it's good level <laughs> is uh, I think we deserve a good Jonah Hex movie. Um, so Jonah Hex um, came hey, out. I was about to ask Patrick for the non comic book nerds that listen. Who is Jonah well, I don't think Hex? I, so I think like you and I might have been the only ones who actually saw that movie because it's 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 bad. It is. Bad. <laughs> um. um so Jonah Hex is a uh, DC comic book character, um, and he's one of the rare DC comic book uh, characters that is not really a superhero and is not set in um, present day Earth 2, sorry, Earth 1. Um, Jonah Hex is a uh, Western, um, and it really is just a Western. There's some supernatural elements to it, but primarily... Jonah Hex is a Western character doing Western things that happens to take place in the DC universe. Um, Jonah Hex has no supernatural powers per se in most of the comics, or at least none he really keeps for long term, other than being astoundingly hard to kill, um, but very easy to injure. Um but he's loosely based off of a, a Western trope that I quite like. Um, 
sort of thing that the outlaw Josie Wales and uh, other Clint Eastwood westerns were based on, which is the idea of a jaded Confederate soldier, um, someone who fought for the wrong side in the war. And if he's honest with himself, knows he fought for the wrong side um, and has become a sort of cynical wanderer throughout the West. Um, I like that. I like the idea of redemptive stories. I like the idea of the cost of war and the uh, faults of, of conflict and what it does to people. And I think that for all the Western tropes and really, really weird stuff that's in these comics, and there are a lot of them, um, you could have a pretty cool emotional storyline um, taking something seriously in a comic book area and having this sort of lighter version of the West that never necessarily existed in reality. I cannot begin to describe just how bad the Jonah Hex movie is. Um, it would be so easy to improve upon. I didn't come up with an actor to replace uh, Brolin, I think, um, who's uh, Jonah Hex in that movie. Um, because, yeah, Josh Brolin, because yeah. it doesn't matter. You could cast him again. Um, he's not necessarily the problem. The problem is everything else with that movie. The script is wrong. The writing is wrong. The lighting is wrong. The score is wrong. Um, what about, uh, what about uh, Megan Fox as uh, it, Lily? So I watched Lillian? this movie. I can't remember. See, uh, uh, she's a... Um, so uh, Megan Fox plays a semi-retired um, courtesan lady of the evening. Um, and Semi-retired? Well, she in the comic, she's sort of not, but in the, uh, um, in the uh, movie, she's still working. Oh, so okay. it's very, it's not a good movie, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not making that clear enough. So she plays Lila Black. Um, in the movie and uh, she is a um, um, a prostitute in this movie it came out in 2010 where I was um, much younger I was still I was still in high school um, and this is a, a teenage boy went to watch this movie where Megan Fox is a prostitute and I still hated it <laughs> that's how bad this movie is there are elements of it that I like that it has some like comic booky absurdity. And I'd like that to be, to carry through in a, a modern one, but like get, uh, um, get someone on there, get them to watch every Clint Eastwood Western in a row that then rip off every trope you can from it, get a good Jonah Hex comic book storyline and just do it. It won't be that expensive. You don't need as many special effects and just do the movie. It's not complicated. And DC, you could really use a win right now. So let's go for it. Interesting. I mean, what about, uh, didn't they have, uh, they had Jonah Hex in the Arrowverse, I thought, too. They had him in that. So I haven't seen him in that, mainly because, frankly, I've been a little gun shy about him. The only really good Jonah Hex I've seen on film was in one episode of Batman the Animated Series, um, which is, granted, an excellent episode. Um, but uh, Hex is one, a very interesting thing because I think comic book writers like him mm -hmm. um, because almost every DC hero has crossed over with Jonah Hex 
in some way. And it's usually them bringing Jonah Hex into their world, not them going into Jonah Hex's world. Um, I think there's even an episode of Justice League, the animated series, where they go back to the Old West and uh, Jonah Hex is the only one in the West to immediately recognize them as time travelers and immediately recognize them as superheroes. (laughs) (laughs) And in one of the best... One of the best understatements in the uh, history of comics, they ask him how he knows this, and he just says, I've led an interesting life. <laughs> uh, which is a wonderful response to that. I think, yeah, I, that, I, that, I remember him in those uh, animated stuff, um, and both of those, uh, I even think the Old West one is a two-parter, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was yeah and that one was really good and i do remember jonah even being like like him just saying like yep you guys aren't from around here i can tell and uh the batman yeah, one was it, also it starts good. at like all folksy and then he like drops the beans like so you guys are time travelers right <laughs> yeah i i mean i'd be excited for it it's i mean dc can't do any worse um and we keep saying that and they keep doing it. Right. Well, that's true. Uh, so. All right. So now, now that we've had my hope for the fallen, what is the next, you know, Renaissance painting that you're going to draw a dick butt on? Um, all right. So. The next movie I was going to suggest, Patrick. Uh, okay. This one has probably less um, le- less of a high ground to redo, and again, just Michael's so it's less movie. desecration that we're doing this time. Ah, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe. Oh maybe, no, maybe some pretty much on par desecration, but um, <laughs> it, it, it. I don't feel like there's much room to uh, be able to bank on people being like oh they're redoing lawrence of arabia without brown face cool that sounds good um oh yeah, okay i mean yeah. like that again that, that's gonna that's not gonna be a tough sell to most people right um, film so, nerds will be a little bit annoyed by it but that's about it exactly and yeah. do we care about remember i'm doing the cynical stuff we don't care uh, oh no no the there's one thing i've learned from hollywood is that they do not care about film nerds exactly so this next movie I was going to do um, is one movie you might know it, um, Patrick, is Casablanca. Dude! So it... Dude, I it, learned how to make Middle Eastern dishes for cooking because of that movie. <laughs> I learned how to make every cocktail served in that movie, and a lot of them aren't great. <laughs> well in fairness i feel like a lot of cocktails from that time era are, are not really that great either okay so what is the argument for remaking casablanca one of i think it sits like at number two or three in the best films ever made on the turner classic movies list yeah it also has like a 99 percent on rotten tomato and 8.5 on IMDb. Uh, IMDb, uh, a IMDb is cutthroat. Yeah, a hundred percent on Metacritic, eighty-six uh, percent on Google reviews. Uh, people like this movie. Um, okay, what director are you going to get that has the balls to step up and say, "Yeah, I can do better than this"? 
I mean, we'll probably just get somebody who's done like an independent movie here and there. Um, it, it, ah, it doesn't the Game matter. Of, the Patrick. final season of Game of Thrones strategy. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. You'll get bad robot to do it. Yes, exactly. It doesn't matter. That That's not the point of this. Uh, the point is, is Patrick, is that this movie, uh, which was released in 1942, is 80 years old now at this point. We're coming yep, up. And on people some, still watch it all the time. Uh, yep. And we're coming up on some good prime nostalgic hitting type thing of being like, hey, your grandpa made you watch this movie. Young kids of today. Why don't you see it? And and here's the best part, Patrick. And this is if really you put it in 3D, Michael. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put it in color, Patrick. Uh, that's somehow worse. <laughs> it's going to be in, in, in beautiful, beautiful high color. And the best part, too, is, is that we're not even going to do it in the sense of like uh, uh, like color all the way through. We're going to tease that it's going to be in black and white in the trailers. And then the start of the movie is going to be a colored uh, like uh, like black and white uh that that monotone color scheme and then eventually like probably like maybe a mid in or something like that we're going to start saturating the colors in and then the rest of it's going to be in beautiful beautiful technicolor it's gonna michael be you have a degree in film in uh theater correct uh yes i did i did study theater patrick performing. did you have a theater or film teacher that you're trying to kill <laughs> no I'm just being very, very, I mean, optimistic that we will get another Casablanca and it will be so bad, so bad that it will sink some sort of movie theater company, just tank them terribly and they'll never be able to make another terrible movie ever again. Um, okay. Then, yeah, we do want Bad Robot to do it. <laughs> but I mean... It's just one of those things. I just look at it and it's just like, this feels like one of those movies that they're going to redo. Um, they'll get probably get, uh, who would they get to play? Um, Chris Pratt, maybe? Uh, he seems like he would. Oh, God. Uh, uh, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's get Chris Pratt and Amber Heard as the leads. Oh, gosh. To be clear, I'm not saying Chris Pratt is bad. I'm just saying this seems like Something they would do. Something he would do, and he wouldn't. He he would have the best of intentions, but but it would be bad. No, he's someone you could trick into doing it. Uh, he did do okay. the Tomorrow War. I learned how to make shakshuka because of this film. Okay. Um. He's also doing the untitled untitled Mario movie. So. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect with that thing. That could be anything. <laughs> So that's my point is like, you know, we can that we can get. Um, yeah, maybe Chris Pratt. Um, you, you said Amber Heard. I mean, sure. Why not? I think it would be uh, interesting to see what what steaming pile of crap this could be. But I bet people would still pay money the opening weekend. It would. No, it would do well. It would do well on the opening weekend because everyone would be like, no, no possible way that they're going to do this. They, they 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 can't possibly do this and then they'll do it they, and... they, they'd go in the same way you'd go to you'd hear like a man is going to try to jump off a high rise into a teacup <laughs> yeah and 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 they would also um some of the lines they would switch around to they would make the 
The, Here's looking at you, kid. Yeah, they they make uh they would make that weird where it would be um the the female lead whoever that would be say that line. Uh, oh, they're gonna do the Uncle Ben thing. Yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna switch some stuff around. It's gonna like the, it's gonna be weird because it's not gonna be like um you know kind of like a flirty thing too. The scene is how the scene would be set up. You know, it's it, when he says it, it's kind of like a kind of a bit of a flirty thing, right? In the remake, it's going to be something like her uh, besting him at cards and then he gets mad and then uh, some guy beats him up because we're rewriting the entire movie at this point. There's no way this is going to be held up to the same uh, script uh, because why would we do that in this dystopian world? So she's going to she's going to do that. He's going to get. Did you watch the 2016 Ghostbusters recently? Is this what's done it to you? No. Um, this is just me being cynical, uh, and, and jaded and angry at the world for the state we're in. Um, and she's going to like knock him down on his ground and on the ground and she's going to put her uh, heel on his chest and be like, here's looking at you kid. And then he's going to make some sort of comment about being able to look up her dress. And then, and then we all cry. (laughs) This is a very hurtful occasion. I come on your podcast and they'll be like, sure, Michael, I'll fill in for Jesse. And now we just hurt me. (laughs) Okay. uh, I need to, I need to think of something joyful for a moment. Oh, you, Um, Oh, um, so sorry. One more thing. One more thing. Um, the whole like kissing scene at the end. Oh no. Um, we're gonna shoot it so it's so dark you can't actually see what's happening. That was that's the other that, that's the other modern movie trope thing we're gonna throw in there. Oh, good because nothing should be visible in a movie. That's how you know it's artistic. Yep, exactly. Ex- see, you got it, Patrick. It's artistic. Yeah, I mean, like I liked the parts of the new Batman movie that I saw. Um, they, those were pretty good. Yeah. Right. So now you can think of something nice, Patrick. You have okay. Shit. Okay. Um, so my next one is a movie that, uh, again, there might be a person out there who saw this movie. It was certainly advertised enough. It's a big Disney failure. Um, and, uh, I love it when Disney fails and I also love it when, uh, Disney gets showed up by someone doing some, one of their things better. So in my utopian world where they've let go of a piece of IP, which we of course know they will never do. Um, talk about the movie Snow Dogs. Um, so Snow Dogs came out in 2002. It's an adventure comedy film directed by Brian Levent um, and starring Cuba Gooding Jr. Basically, it's about a guy who inherits um, property in Alaska I'm including a bunch of sled dogs and is roped into competing in various dog races. Um, It is a terrible film. Blue cheese is a very key point of this. And I love blue cheese, but it's a key plot point. How much you like blue cheese is seen as a genetic tie in this film. Um, I haven't seen this this film for 20 years. I was nine years old or eight years old when this movie came out. And it's a terrible, terrible film. Yeah, this is a plot line in this film. It's burned into my memory. Is that this guy finds his lost, long lost father. 
because they both like blue cheese. I feel, wow. I remember. I, okay. To be clear, I remember this movie. I remember seeing it. Um, I even remember, I think, seeing it on like television uh, specifically. I don't know if I saw it in theaters, but I definitely remember seeing it and then seeing it on television and being like, oh, this is the movie with the dogs in it. I like dogs. I'm going to watch this movie. That was my thought process. And I don't remember that being a thing. I remember the, the there's the gruff guy who turns out to be his dad. But yeah. Isn't he so, a dentist? Yes, he is. A, a, a celebrity dentist because of all those celebrity dentists out there. I do you remember know, there's, the uh, part because I remember him like, looking uh, at some lady's mouth and vomiting. Because Yeah. Um, I can't begin to describe how much I hate this film. And you might ask, uh, ask me, Michael, that why, Patrick? Why would you hate basically a dumb kids movie from the early 2000s? There sure were a lot of them. Hey, Patrick. Yeah, Michael? Why do you hate this dumb kids movie from the early 2000s? Well, it's because, Michael, it is based off of a novel by one of the greatest children's authors of all time. Um, or I would say, full stop, one of the greatest authors of all time, um, Gary Paulson. So you might think Gary Paulson has not written a, a book called Snow Dogs, and that is true. However, this is meant to be an adaptation of Winter Dance by Gary Paulson. Um, for those of you who aren't, fa uh, aren't familiar with the name, um, many of us had to read a book called Hatchet growing up. If you grew up in a school in Colorado, I think a lot of us had to read this one um, yeah, about a boy who was, uh, who was lost um, and survives in the wilderness. Wonderful book. Incredible book. I will one day have a tattoo of the uh, of the hatchet from Hatchet because of how much it affects me. But Paulson is a prolific author. Was I should say a prolific author um, because he also wrote nonfiction. Um, Paulson was a complete amateur who managed to run three Iditarods. He almost won one of them. Um, he taught himself dog sledding while he was an actual fur trapper, and his experience with becoming a Iditarod competitor is um, chronicled in the move in the book winter dance, um, which is a, a brilliant, brilliant book. Um, Paulson um, at the time was a fur trapper in Minnesota, um, just kind of barely eking out a living at, to the point that to save gas, he started using a dog sled rather than a snowmobile to work his trap line. And as his relationship and love for these dogs grew, um, he began getting interested in competing and his whole community came together to support him in his quest to run the Iditarod. I don't want to give away too many of the plot points in this book, other than to give away the thing that uh, Paulson never wins the Iditarod, but he runs it. A guy who had no business doing it, a fur trapper from, Minnesota, um, one of the last ones. And it is a beautiful story about a connection with nature, about a connection with animals, about a connection with one's community. And it's a beautiful story that they made into one of the most soulless, oh, the kitties will like it movies out there. And now that Paulson has passed away, we deserve, those of us who grew up loving his books, 
and those affected by his books, um, we deserve an adaptation um, that uh, does justice to the man and what he's achieved. I would uh, suggest we have a, um, a, a lower name actor play um, Paulson. Um, I was thinking maybe uh, Jim Beaver of Supernatural fame. Uh, he played, um, oh, who did he play? Um, Bobby Singer in Supernatural. Um, but he's also just uh, is a film historian himself. Um, and he has similar energy to uh, Paulson in terms of just being very, very tough as a person. But we do this as a biopic. We do this um, showing a, a, a small segment um, or even a larger segment of Paulson and talk about not only his incredible achievement of running the Iditarod dog sled race, but also about his achievement as an author, as a storyteller, and what he's meant to so many kids going through so many things uh, throughout um, throughout the world that, and throughout the the educational landscape that has been helped by his books. Um, and Snow Dogs, the only thing I will say in, in favor of that movie is that it didn't have the balls to call itself Winter Dance. So we deserve Winter Dance, the Gary Paulson story, uh, um, coming to probably not very many theaters near you, but very much appreciated by those who attend. I mean, this is... this. As you talk about the author, um, this reminds me of a segment on a uh, old British uh, like educational program called Horrible Histories. Oh yeah, I like yeah. that show. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I've talked about the the troupe or the band of that are in there, and they do uh, some other stuff. A ghost. That was what I was talking about. They have a show called Ghost, which is being run, redone in America and it's terrible. Um, the only good part of that entire, the American version is they have a um, uh, Native American, uh, uh, Native uh, Native person um, playing a role in that. And it's funny because it's very dark. Uh, he has a lot of dark comments and like statements about like, you're on my land, you're terrible people. So that's the only good part of the American version. Um, but the British version is hilarious. And they did Horrible Histories, which was a show. It was an educational show and also some books um, where they talked about like the gross side of history. And I think I've talked about it before here on the podcast. I can't remember or I meant to. But one of the the skits they do in the show is they uh, do like pitch meetings for movies based on like actual historical people. And so like the whole joke is, is that they have a real like a real historical person quote unquote uh a guy portraying them show up to a like corporate board meeting of hollywood execs and it's like hi i'm blankety blank and this is my story and you listen to them talk about how awesome and cool the story would be like you know i was a war hero i did this thing i uh you know freed slaves i um single-handedly took down this entire thing i made this cure and that you listen to it's like what sounds like what would be a very similar situation to the gary polson story here would be an amazing story of a guy being like i'm a fur trapper and i'm so like i can see it now opening up on this guy he's so poor that he can't fill up his gas uh because of the life he's living so he gets dogs and then eventually goes off and like you said doesn't win the iditarod but still just running running it and even finishing it i know is an accomplishment to say in the least so 
that sounds like an amazing movie in itself. And the fact that we got snow dogs out of that is just depressing. Yeah, yeah you, you know that this was the most soulless meeting um, that produced this thing. It, there, there was no one truly loved this movie um, that could have read Winter Dance. Um, I, I'll, I'll give the majority of the production team the, um, the allowance that I'm just going to pretend that they didn't know. Because um, if they did know, it's unconscionable. If they didn't know, then they're just lazy. And God knows I've been lazy before. There, he. I'm now reading up on Mr. Polson here. Uh, mm-hmm. He did place uh, in the one, uh, in one of the Iditarods that he finished. Uh, he did place forty uh, first uh, out of fifty, which is pretty finishers. insane. That's. I mean, yeah, for a guy that like like you're saying, like I know the from what I've been able to I understand about the Iditarod and the other things I've watched on it. It is like people train all their lives for it and like specifically like breed dogs and it's a whole thing. So I know that the, like the people that come in first on that and no, the Kentucky the Derby's got nothing on the Iditarod in terms of work that goes behind these teams. Yeah. So I, I can understand like the first 25 people definitely are just like full time, full passion people, but there are other people that just still, you know, do it because it's, that's the, they, they love well, it. They and... do it because this is the art they love. Mm-hmm. Um, and the art they happen to love is dog sledding. Um, Which is it, not what you is get a... from snow dogs. No, it is not. It's all blue cheese and daddy issues. And it's so bad, Michael. I just can't even begin. I, I, I did a little bit of research for this because this has been a pet peeve of mine for a long time. And uh, I almost watched a clip and I couldn't do it. <laughs> There's um, I couldn't even watch the trailer. It, uh of course we could have adorable dogs in a lot of things no but isn't there a a border collie yeah that's another really weird thing is that for some reason there's a border collie and i have a border collie i love her very much she's actually sitting on my feet right now hello val um (laughs) but val would be a very bad dog sled dog mainly because she'd be afraid of everything else um and, and that does not make a good dog sled um I still believe that there, there is a movie here and, and whether we do it as winter dance or we do it as an adaptation of any of his other semi-biographical work. Um, this is a, a, a guy who deserves credit. Um, again, data point of one, but uh, as a, for a, a kid who grew up, with very little once in life. I've had a, a great, very privileged life growing up in middle-class America. I was able to empathize with the struggles of Paulson's characters. Um, and I hear stories from people who grew up in very deprived um, upbringings that are able to relate to Paulson's characters uh, and people from other countries who have related to him. And the stories he tells are, are soulful, heartbreaking joyful loving tales um and i think that the only one that might make a good movie would be a biopic about his iditarod because his fictional work i think is so so beautiful that i don't think film could capture it you know like how would you do hatchet as a movie i I couldn't begin to figure it out well, I don't. How could you do Hatchet well? I should say there's a lot of ways we could do it terribly. 
Oh, the, I've definitely watched a movie that has the plot of Hatchet. It's not called Hatchet. It's called something else. But I definitely remember reading, uh, watching it because I watched it with my family. And my mom realized that it was the plot of Hatchet, which I was reading at the time, which she realized was bad because I was supposed to be reading through it and like giving a book report on it. And then I just watched the movie and it was just like, oh, I know what happens. So there is a movie that's like Hatchet. I don't remember what it's called. It's and in a I don't series need to know. I don't need to know that one. <laughs> well, how about let's move on to my last movie, Patrick, before we get too much more. Okay, into... let me guess. Citizen Kane. No. Okay, there are there are some lines for you. Good to know. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe not this episode. Uh... Oh, God. <laughs> so this one is less cynical, I feel like, than my other two approaches. Another very good, uh, another great movie. A lot of people, uh, it's well-known, well-loved. I think it would be, and more of the reason I would like to see this movie redone is because I truly think it could lend itself to a beautiful, wonderful ensemble cast of like very big name actors because I feel like quite a few of them would want to be associated to something like this because of the movie that I'm about to say. I know I'm, I'm bearing the lead here, uh, but I think this would be a movie that a lot of very well-known actors would want to get behind because of how well it's known and the fact that they could really like play off each other. And that movie is Patrick. Okay. The great escape. I did not expect that one. Okay. You know what? Willing to willing. I'm going to put my, my toe out there and think, okay, Michael, you might actually have an idea here. I it's mean, a really good movie, but it's not like it's perfect. No. I think How that, would you do The Great Escape? So I think it would it would it's one of those ones where I feel like a more harsh because that's something I do feel like The Great Escape kind of it, it it's just just south and I'm not sure if I'm even using that correctly here or just north of Hogan's uh, heroes that, that like old TV show. Oh, okay. That's too comedic. Yeah. So it, it just feels like it is. They, I mean, they are in a prison camp. They are in a prison camp. And I understand that that's that officers were supposed to be treated better. Um, the engagement uh, the rules of engagement for war. Um, but it just feels too, it, it just the, too the sanitized, film, maybe. Yeah, it, it feels too. It feels too clean. Um, not saying that we need to see like you know horrific depictions of like super tragic stuff because it is supposed to be a little bit lighthearted with some of the other stuff in it. But the fact is, is that it still just is. When I rewatch it, I just watch it and go like, this just feels kind of like dis like the same time era of a Disney live action movie. It just kind of has the same grain of film and color and palette to me that it just kind of makes me go like okay cool but what if it was like slightly grittier slightly probably more quote like more realistic uh they spent a little bit more time on that um doing that research really looking into like how they actually were and kind of blending this fantasy of this world okay just adding a little bit more authenticity to it exactly and then i I can see that and then to the point, I'd really like to see a huge ensemble cast. We have a lot of very good 
Um, and un unfortunately, this would be uh, not a very diverse cast. Um, unlike my Lawrence of Arabia, it would have to be kind of paired off. I think this is where these two would have to come out kind of at this, like being like, yeah, we're doing like the one justifies and, the other. Yeah. And okay. And ba even based around the war itself, like that there wasn't a lot of diversity in the, well, not in the European theater for the most right. part. So the, the diversity of the cast would be very, you know, white and very male. Um, I don't even think there's a female in the original movie at all. Uh, well, there that, weren't. The, that that would be a bit of an anachronism to put in. Well, no, no, yeah, not not a not a like in the camp or like I was just trying to think if there's like any actual. Well, you can like... massage the introduction a little bit and, or, yeah. and the conclusion a little bit to have some, or even put in a a beeline of. Uh, someone related to these guys stuck in there. Yeah, or it's like a local village helping or something like that. Like, could, the story could be expanded a little bit. But I think this would be one of those very interesting movies that we could see. Uh, and, you know, you look at the cast list, you have so many of these really great actors uh, at the time and as they've gone on later in their careers doing these. And I think it would be fun to see that kind of redone Similar uh, to when they remade Ocean's Eleven, yes, um, is that again? It, it, uh, instead of it, a bunch of actors who are really at the top of their game, doing a loving tribute to a bunch of actors on the top of their game, exactly. I could see that if it was done with love, I could see this being a success. Right? See, I'm not um, completely horribly absolute cynical, but. You know. This is the one that I might actually be able to watch even without watching it through the gaps in my fingers. <laughs> it, it, okay, you know what? Color me intrigued. Um, there, there are some technical stuff you could improve as well. Hmm. You know, with camera work and stuff, you could probably make the chase scene even more cool. Although, gosh, that's a cool chase scene. Um, I mean, the the Steve McQueen chase scene. Yeah. I mean, that's still one of my favorite facts is that um, this the stunt driver couldn't drive as uh, like, couldn't drive as fast as Steve McQueen or as, as skillful. And so he actually had to do this. Uh, he actually had to dress up in the Nazi costume to chase himself effectively because the stunt driver couldn't do it is allegedly. I don't know how true that is, but that's what I've I don't heard. know. I mean, man, I mean, if, if only he was better at driving Porsches. Um, yeah, but uh uh, um, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm, I, I'm officially intrigued. Okay. Um, an ensemble cast of um, experienced actors who all loved the previous film. That could be good. Um, I never thought I would be... I didn't think I'd be saying that after the, the, the last <laughs> two suggestions. But you know what? You, you got, one, you got a, a gem there, Michael. I, 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 I'm interested. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, and I, I mean, I to be clear too. I also love um, one of my favorite po movie posters of all time is the the Great Escape poster of like one oh six when uh, what went into these few seconds one oh seven the hell uh, the heroism the 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 adventure the high adventure one oh eight uh, make making uh, make sorry. Make for the screen's greatest entertainment, 109. And it's like these like different slots and it's like a slow evolution of showing you like the 
the a guard tower and one guy getting away and then more and then there's a light on the guard tower and then there's like a bunch more and then there's two lights in the guard tower and then the last scene is like or the last picture is like these giant mass of guys running out and it has uh, some of the depictions of the main characters up front so it's it's one of my favorite movie posters of all time because because it's so um it it just shows the story so well and like gets you so interested so yeah you know I, 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 it's so, so hard because I really do love the original film, but I also love the original Ocean's Eleven, and somehow I'm able to love both those films. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, um, it's, it, not all... it, it, it's not all evil. Yes. Uh, but you, you, you're, you're all right, Michael. I mean, that doesn't at all make up for Casablanca, but. Um... <laughs> but. Uh, but a... you know what? Okay, okay. Um, and uh, as as you become a little bit lighter, um, here's a movie I don't think was dark enough. Okay. Um, so um, one of my favorite punching bags when it comes to actors, even though he's, of course, a hundred times better actor than I could ever do. Um, but me sitting on the couch not doing any actual work, it's fun to make fun of, <laughs> um, is uh, Robert Redford. Um, I really liked him in The Natural, and a lot of his other films are oof. <laughs> he did a Western um, in uh, 1972 called Jeremiah Johnson. It's a basically bog-standard Western. Um, it's, it, it's honestly not that bad a film. Um, it's it, it's a sort of by-the-numbers, mountain man, Western um, guy. And uh, he does a... Uh, a good job of doing kind of a Western battle sort of semi-revenge fight. And again, it's not that bad. The biggest issue I have with it is that they, um, they, they base it on a a guy, a real person named Jeremiah Johnson. Um, And they even hit some of the plot points, right? Um, That uh, this um, mountain man, real guy, um, married into the Blackfeet. Sorry, sorry, married into the Flathead tribe. Um, and I like that they called them Flatheads because that's a tribe that I don't think a lot of people know about and they have fascinating history to them. But uh, they, he marries into this tribe um, with a, um, a girl, uh, a, a woman named Swan, um, who is a... Uh, and they appear apparently, despite the cultural differences of their upbringing... They, according to history and according to the record and the people who knew them, they had a pretty good relationship, um, which I think is kind of cool. However, because the flatheads at the time were at war with the crow, um, the crow um, ended up um, killing Swan while she was pregnant with um, Johnson's child. And to put it mildly... um, John Wick doesn't have anything on Johnson. Um, this guy waged a one man with a little bit of support from his flathead in-laws. He basically waged a one-man war on the crow. Um, he used psychological warfare. Um, one of the beliefs that the crow had at the time um, was that uh, the soul of the body is located in the liver. Um, so and the historical record is kind of iffy on this one. Johnson either convinced them that he was doing this or actually did this 
Johnson ate their livers of the crow warriors that he killed oh. um, so that they believed that not only would Johnson kill them and ambush them and use every dirty b- trick in the book to bring them down, but he would eat their souls. He, uh, he had a friendship with a woman appropriately named Crazy Woman. Um, he lived this incredible life, ended up fighting in the westernmost battle of the Civil War at Glorieta Pass in New Mexico. Um, for the first Colorado volunteers. But this guy had an incredible life in one of the most tumultuous, gritty, horrible times in history. Um, And we kind of got a sanitized bog standard Western out of the deal. Um, What we need to do is have a hard R, um, gritty, realistic, vicious portrayal of this incredibly violent occasion, an incredibly violent time in history where there were there was so much human life was so cheap and the world was so scary. Um, this could almost be a thriller, almost a psychological horror film um, about this conflict um, ending with a story of peace and redemption and fighting for something actually worthwhile. There's so much to unpack with this guy's life. We dis- and there's so much more to be done. So this is one again, the Redford version's not bad. It's just a little dull. <laughs> but the but dull is the one thing that liver eating Johnson wasn't. Um and we need to see that in film. I love the 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 statement of liver eating Johnson. Um, there's a great book on the subject, a biography called Crow Killer, the saga of liver eating Johnson. And uh, the guy had to pot through all these accounts from mountain men. And that's hilarious to me because this poor historian knows that they're probably lying about most of this stuff <laughs> because they're mountain men and mountain men l- lied about so much to, uh, to record keepers of the time. And I just imagine these poor historians having to figure all that out um, in order to write that book. All right. Well, um, I, I'm sold, Patrick. I like that idea. Um, it would not be a family-friendly film. I can't stress this enough. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, if you if you sell if you put it out the right way, uh, be like you, if you put Liver Eater in the title, I feel like you're gonna get a very specific group of people showing up. So. Yeah, and, and again, we do have an opportunity to kind of show the time period as it was. You could get some crow flathead, uh, some crow and flathead uh, um, descendants um, who are um, historians. You could get them in on it. Make sure that you get it right. Um, you know, you, you don't need to make this a, you know, a, like an old western of the pale face fighting the uh, the red Indians and things like that. It doesn't need to be that. It needs to be a story about conflict um, and the cost of revenge and all these other timeless stories. And in a time period of before the um, so before and during the Civil War um, in the West, that doesn't always get covered because most of the time we're focusing on after the Civil War when we're doing Westerns. True. Hmm. Um, well, and also it could just be like it could be some glorious fight scenes you could work into this. I mean, I'm picturing very, um, uh, the Revenant. 
Yeah, like, the, the, the Revenant actually was a film that kind of made me think, like, you know, you could have just done a better Jeremiah Johnson movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, that type of like level of realism and grittiness and uh, depiction, I think, would fit very well into this, which is just seems like, I mean, the Revenant did wonderfully. I could imagine this, you know, Jeremiah Johnson liver eater. Great. <laughs> Now, you, you you could even call it after basing on the book, call it the crow killer. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and again, do it right because it's not like the flat. It, it, this was good guys versus bad guys, flatheads versus crow. This was a time where everybody was doing awful things to each other. Um, pretty much everywhere, the past was the worst. <laughs> if the past were a foreign country, you would never visit. And the State Department would have warnings about it. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. There'd be travel notices for the past. Um, <laughs> the passport guy would be like, are you sure? Well, now, now, Patrick, that just gives me an idea for a, a TV series. Uh, maybe we should do an entire podcast on just pitch ideas for stuff. <laughs> but uh, an entire thing of like travel, like the it's just a a bureaucracy uh, office type uh comedy around people traveling to the past or something um and it's just people, it's about it, people trying to start a tourism agency for the past but everyone cr- quickly realizes no one would want to go exactly <laughs> all right okay okay you know what michael um after all that um uh, darkness at the beginning and uh my thirst for blood at the end mm-hmm. um I had, a, I had a pretty good time. Um, good. I'd like to eventually see Jesse again on this show. Um, I hope he's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he, he's good. He's 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 having some good um, uh, family time uh, with. I think I'm pretty sure the in laws are in town. So uh, yeah, they're off doing some fun things. So, but we do love having you on here, Patrick. We appreciate you coming on. Um, and we can't break it. The next time you said you would meet, uh, hang out with Jesse on the podcast would be when we talk about Lord of the Rings. So we fortunately dodged a bullet and didn't. Oh, speaking of bad reboots. Uh, No, we're just moving on. Uh, (laughs) But um, thanks so much for coming on, uh, Patrick. We appreciate being here and being able to fill in and uh, help me be able to get this out in a timely manner uh, for the listeners. So. Oh, no worries. Happy to do it, man. Thanks. Yeah. Wonderful. So we'll uh, wrap it up here. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to Hit The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. Uh, We try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, uh, depending on how much I'm doing that weekend. Um, Hey, if we got something wrong or if you want to tell me how how much I made you cry when I said I wanted to remake Casablanca in color, please feel free to email us at hit the real podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hit the real podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, or if you, Hey, if you have some other movies that you think might, might, might deserve to be remade for either uh, because they didn't get the fair shake, like Patrick said, or you're a cynical person that hates the world like me. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also have uh, our Patreon in the description of the episode. Uh, below so uh, feel free to take a look at that and uh, hey like always keep it real